peoples of the worldwide federated internet. What's good? So oftentimes I have a thought on my head or thinking about a verse and that verse will kind of cause me to think about either an event or something that's happening in life or something that's going on with me or what I think about a certain issue and something I've been thinking about lately is, and this really is my own personal life. And again, I always like to say this so people understand these are my videos are not messages. I'm not a preacher. I'm a layman, simple dude, just sharing my thoughts with the worldwide federated Internet. So I was thinking to myself, how much do I want God versus how much do I want other things? And that thought just kept going through my head, kept going through my head. And I thought about the rich man in Matthew chapter 19 and something that was said to him. And something that was said after that, there's many things in here. But anyway, without further ado, Matthew chapter 19, let's get into this. I would say this is going to be a quick thought, but then no sooner than I say that I'll be here for <laughs> however long. But uh, Genesis chapter 19, I mean, Genesis, Matthew chapter 19 you know what? I'm just going to read the whole chapter. Let's do it. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came unto the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And a great multitude followed him and he healed them there. And the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for, for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, have ye not heard that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement? to put away, uh, to put her away. And it, what, you know what I notice, And I notice this about people when people are convinced of something in their head, even though they know the Bible says contrary, they will create every barrier they can within their mind as to not believe whatever it is the Bible says. And they will create all of these scenarios and all of these answers for whatever you bring up. Normally, when I run into a person like that, they're convinced in their own mind that what they believe is true, even though it's definitely contrary to the Bible. I'll pray for them. I won't argue with them. I'll, I'll, I'll join them in a conversation if they like. But I don't I don't contend with that because, one, we don't have any power anyway. All of the power belongs to God. So I'll let I let God sort that out. Um, and this kind of see the Pharisees uh, doing this here. Um. Uh, verse eight, 
he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, I know that's that's hard for a lot of people to hear. I know a lot of times people ask questions about, well, when can you remarry? And what's is there a good reason to put, you know, your wife away or get divorced? Ah, this is what the Bible says. And I, I was talking to some brothers today. We were sitting lunch after church. And I said, the Bible says a lot of things that are uncomfortable to me. But it's not about my comfort. It's about truth. It doesn't matter that I'm uncomfortable. It's what the Bible says. The Lord Jesus Christ said, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication and shall marry another committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. I didn't write it. His disciples said unto him, if the case of a man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, save them to whom it is given. Now, listen, and this I did not intend to kind of go over this, but listen to what he says here. For these for there are some eunuchs which were born from their mother's which were bo which were so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made uh, were made of men. And there be some eunuchs and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. So what what is a eunuch for those who don't know? I'm going to get the proper definition of the word because I don't like even though I know what it is. I don't like using my own definitions or explanations. It is um, a male of the human species castrated right now. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying that there's some people who are born this way and there are some people who are made this way. And there are some people who make themselves this way for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Now, I don't believe he's talking about, you know, uh, some guy literally cutting his stuff off, even though some people, you know, that has happened to some people. I think he's talking about people who can be alone and have no problem being alone. And especially those who can be alone for the kingdom of heaven's sake. But what he said is he that is able to receive it, let him receive it. This is not something that just anybody can do. This is why if people want to get married and if, if they desire to get married, I would never ridicule that. Right. Because not everybody can just be single and be OK with that. The Lord Jesus Christ is expounding on this here. There's nothing wrong with marriage now. If you want marriage more than you want God, then we got a problem. That's a whole nother issue. And that kind of deals kind of goes along with what the thought that's been on my mind. Uh, then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray and the disciples rebuke them. But Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on on them and departed thence and behold one came unto him 
Uh, and one said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith, and he saith unto him, which? Now imagine that you're talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. You said, um, uh, why callest thou me good? And he said, there's none good save God. And he's asking him, what can he do to, to, to have eternal life? And he says, all right, keep the commandments. Which one? Think about that. Seriously, think about that. Keep the commandments as in keep them all. So this, in my mind, in my opinion, this kind of shows that this guy already wasn't all in. He wasn't serious. He wanted that scapegoat. Um, he saith unto him, which Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Now, now remember the Lord Jesus Christ is a hundred percent man, hundred percent God. He knows that he knows everything about this man. All right. He said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Uh, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. Now notice all of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ read off to him as far as commandments. He didn't say anything about idols. And he said he didn't say anything about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. Right. He did cover loving your neighbor as yourself, which is which is part of that kind of implied. Right. And there's a reason for this, because he's going to you're going to see here that this man is literally making an idol out of his riches. All right. So he says, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him. So the Lord Jesus Christ, like, all right, here we go. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. If thou wilt be perfect. Go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. The Lord Jesus Christ just said, all right, give up everything you have. Sell it. Come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So his possessions have become his God. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, verily, I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said hardly. He didn't say they couldn't. Right. And that's a misconception that people have as well. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard, heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have? Uh, what shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the in the generation when the Son of Man uh, shall sit 
in the throne of glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. One of the things that I, I realized as I was thinking about this, and as I read through this is, I honestly think the implication is that people who do get saved, there's, there's, there's some things that you have to relinquish. There's some things that you have to, you have to give up. I'm telling you, getting saved is a, is a humbling experience. And the reason it's a humbling experience is because you have to come to the conclusion that, yo, I am completely wrong and undone. Everything about me is wrong. All of my beliefs, all of my thoughts, I am completely wretched, naked before God in my sin. That's a humbling experience. In order to, in order to do that, you you really do have to forsake everything. Everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever thought about yourself, everything you've ever thought about life. At that point, it doesn't matter. All that matters is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's 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 the point in these passages. And that's what he was getting across to the rich man. Now, now I know and I'm I'm sure there's more exposition that smart theologians can can definitely glean from reading through these passages of scripture. But I'm going to tell you why, why I thought about this and why this got to me. In the book of Ecclesiastes, if you read the last, I believe it's the last two verses, the last two or three verses, it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. This is why you were created to give God glory, to serve God. So when I thought about that, I was like, man, what is it in my life that means more than God? Right. So I, I was like, what is it in my life that I would hold on to if, if God told me to go left or right? If I knew without a shadow of a doubt I had to go one way or another way, what is it that I would hold on to and not do that? Because if so, I need to settle that now. Like I was seriously the things that God has done in my life and for me in the past, I'd say year and a half. Look, this was a this was a process getting to the point where I am now. Right. Because two years ago, three years ago, I was off bad. Off bad. A believer, but just in a in a way that is not becoming of a believer at all. And why this scares me, I'm being honest with you, this scares me because I don't want to ever go that direction again. So I pray and I pray and I ask God, whatever it is that's in my life that is going to get in the way, just remove it. I don't want it. I don't want to go a day without walking with God. I'm not going to be perfect. I understand that. The Bible says there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. I understand that. But I don't want to go a day where I'm not walking with God. So I've just come to the conclusion that whatever it is that's in the way, I want it out of the way. I don't want it. I just want to walk with God like that. I don't know about you, but it the thought of something in my life taking the place of God and taking more importance than God. 
it disturbs me and it scares me and it makes me really cautious. Anyway, just some of my thoughts. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.